Would you turn to the book of Judges? Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. When I was um, speaking to the um, preacher's class, I, um, in Mexico, I, one of the classes um, I introduced by saying the apostles did not have a New Testament to preach from. All they had was the Old Testament scriptures, and that's what they preached from. The Old Testament. Um, there's a passage in Galatians chapter 4 <coughs> where Paul tells about a story that took place in the Old Testament when um, Sarah said God's promise is not seeming to take place and we need to do our part so you go into Hagar. And they had Ishmael. And Ishmael is not regarded as a son. Remember when Abraham, when the Lord said to Abraham, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac. And Paul tells us about that passage of scripture that it's given to illustrate law and grace. Now, if I read that without that New Testament commentary, I would just think it's another one of those unusual kind of strange stories in the Old Testament. But no, it's given to picture the gospel. And that lets us know that every Old Testament story is given to picture the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's its purpose. I've entitled this message, Gideon. You've heard of Gideon Bibles. You've seen them in hotels. And uh, it comes from this character, Gideon. The sword of the Lord and Gideon. The scriptures are called the sword of the spirit. He is the man who inspired this Gideon tract society that uh, puts out Bibles and hotel rooms and so on. And Gideon is a delightful character in the book of Judges. One of the men God raised up to judge and deliver Israel. Now in the book of Judges, there are 12 judges. Like there were 12 apostles, there were 12 judges. And there were 12 tribes, and these are the men that God used, and it covers a 400-year period. And Gideon was a very humble man. That is evident when you read the history of Gideon. And when the Lord told him something he was going to do with him, Gideon never trusted himself. Did you really say that to me? I, I need proof. I'm... I'm afraid. Uh, look in uh, Gideon, or Judges chapter 6, verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. He couldn't even believe the Lord was talking to him. He said, I need a sign that you're even speaking to me. Look in um, uh, verse 36 of the same chapter. Now he had, the Lord had promised uh, 
Gideon, that he was going to use him to deliver Israel once again. And Gideon said unto God, if thou wilt save Israel by my hand, well, he said he would. He said, now, if you will, as thou hast said, behold, I'll put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and if it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. He needed a sign. He wanted something to prove to him that it would take place. And it was so. For he rose up early on the morning and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of it, the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I'll speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry upon the fleece and only, and there was dew on all the ground. He had to have this sign answered. And there could be a whole message preached on this. Um, the dew um, couldn't be on all the ground and in the fleece. The fleece would be dry. Or the, if the dew was only in the fleece, all the land would be dry. You know, sin can't be two places at once. If it's in Christ, it's not on us. And if it's on us, it's not in Christ. Look in chapter 7, verse 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. But if thou fear to go down, now he, the Lord knew what he's like. He said, If you fear to go down, go thou with Thura, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterward shall thy hands be strengthened to go down into the host. Then went he down with Thura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. Gideon was listening. Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it. And the, the tent lay along, and his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. <laughs> and it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, interpretation thereof, he worshipped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of the Midian. So we see that this man was a humble man when he'd hear the Lord speak to him. He'd think, did he really speak to me? And he would need these proofs, as it were. Uh, perhaps you will remember that Gideon had 32,000 men in his army. And the Lord said, that, that's too many. And, you know, he whittled it down to 300. 300 men against all these hosts like grasshoppers. The scripture says, and there's a beautiful picture of the preaching of the gospel. You know what they did? These 300 men blew a trumpet, and they had an empty pitcher with a light in it. And when they blew the trumpet, they would break the picture, and the light would be shown. The preaching of the gospel. That is how God delivers his people through the preaching of the gospel, the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that light that lets me know that God can accept me for Christ's sake. What light there is there.
Now this story begins in Judges 5, but look in the last verse of chapter 4. And the land, the last sentence, and the land had rest for 40 years. This had been a prosperous time. There were no enemies. Verse 1, chapter 6. I'm sorry, that should have been chapter 5, verse 31. The land had rest 40 years. Chapter 6, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till they come unto Gaza, Gaza and, Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. They had nothing to eat. Nothing. Verse 5, For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Now I pray that takes place tonight. We're impoverished. And we cry unto the Lord. They had no means of protecting themselves. They had nothing to eat. They were brought to the end. And they cried unto the Lord. Verse 7, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you the land. And I said unto you, I'm the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but you've not obeyed my voice. And, I'm thankful for that and, aren't you? Doesn't end there. You all got yourself into this mess, get yourself out of it. He didn't say anything like that, did he? And, thank God for that word, and. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite, and his son, Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now here we have Gideon. And he's threshing wheat in secrecy, knowing that if he's found out, the Midianites will take everything he had. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, what we read would not seem to think that he was a mighty man of valor. He was uh, not very confident when the Lord would speak to him. He would think, I don't even know if he's really speaking to me. Is this my imagination? Uh, he was hiding in fear 
from the Midianites, and you wouldn't think that he's a mighty man of valor. But notice what the Lord says. The Lord does not say, the angel does not say, you're a mighty man of valor. The Lord is with thee. He said, the Lord is with thee. Thou art a mighty man of valor. And I can say that to every believer. The Lord's with you. That makes you a mighty man of valor. You might not feel it, but what God says is the way it is. And if the Lord says he's a mighty man of valor, he's a mighty man of valor, a man of faith, as we're going to see. The Holy Spirit inspired, inspired the writer to the Hebrews to put this man's name in this great hall of faith. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now look at Gideon's reply. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And I love his language. I like, the, I like this word befallen. Everything that has happened to us has fallen down from heaven. It's our fault, but everything that's happened to us has fallen down from heaven. And everything that's happening to us right now doesn't appear to be good. Why are you calling me a mighty man of valor when I'm here in hiding, threshing the wheat, and all of Israel is being oppressed, and we're afraid of our oppressors, and we have to hide And verse 13, and where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now he understood, as every believer understands, everybody that knows the Lord, Lord's sovereign. He, he said, you've delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He wasn't taking away from his own personal guilt in what he had done, but he was saying, you are the one who's in complete control over this. Everyone who knows the Lord knows he's sovereign. Absolutely the first cause behind everything. You know, it's, it's just, it's who he is. Only he is sovereign. Sovereignty, you know, power belongs to him, so does sovereignty. He's absolutely sovereign, and Gideon acknowledged that when he saw all the things that were happening and what a low state Israel had fallen into. Verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. What's his might? The Lord's with you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Go in this thy might. Be strong in the Lord, Paul said to the Ephesians, and the power of his might. Do you know if you believe the gospel that that's as much a miracle or more of a miracle than the creation of the universe? You think of the power of his might exerted on you. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. What I think is interesting, if you read Young's literal translation, he says, You have saved. You have saved. You see, whenever the Lord saves, it's done before it takes place. It's, it, he's eternal. Everything he does is eternal. He said, uh, thou shalt save, you have saved from the hand of the Midianites. And then here's, have not I sent you? 
Can anyone stand before me? If I've sent you, is there any way that you can be defeated? I've sent you. And you couldn't, you can't help but think of how the Lord, he's a type of Christ here. The Father sent him. I came not, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And whatever the Father sent him to do, write this down, he did it. And he is telling uh, Gideon at this time, have not I sent you? You know, if, uh, if the Lord sent you, what confidence? You know, it's, it's not you, it's him. <clears throat> and he said, oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? How am I going to do this? He was incredulous about this. And look what he says about himself. He said, behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. I'm at the bottom. I'm the weakest. I'm the most poverty-stricken. How are you going to save Israel through the likes of me? I'm the least. I'm the lowest. I'm the last. What a blessing when God gives us the grace to see that about ourselves. Oh, may the Lord impress that upon our heart. I, we're so proud. I'm so proud. I know that. It's arrogant. It's, a, it's a thinking self-importance. Gideon had been brought down to where he saw he was the last. Verse 16, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites. How? As one man. Now here's the gospel. What the Lord did, this is, this is such a beautiful type of the gospel. He said, you're going to smite the Midianites as one man. Do you remember when David fought Goliath? It was one man fighting Goliath. And if this one man wins the victory, all of Israel wins. And here it said to Gideon, as one man. The Lord, I love that scripture. I, I when he had by himself purged our sins. Hebrews 1.3. You know what that means? You didn't have anything in this great act of salvation except being saved. You didn't contribute any. When he had by himself as one man purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. We are not dependent on our works or our armies, but by the work of the one man, the one man the Lord sent, the one man who was he was with, the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord Jesus Christ is victorious, we're victorious. I saved by one man. How do you feel about that? I love it. I love being saved by one man. I love being saved by what he did altogether. That has nothing to do with me. That gives me joy. That gives me peace. Saved by one man. Verse 17. And he said unto him, If now I found grace in thy sight, show me a sign that thou talkest with me. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, here the Lord is talking to him. He says, show me a sign that you're talking to me. He had such a, a mistrust of himself and he held himself so suspicious. He said, show me a sign that you're really talking to me. And here's what he says to do. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present. 
Now the word present, uh, my marginal reading says an offering, and that's what the word generally is translated. Uh, it's the same word used of uh, Cain and Abel when they brought their offering before the Lord. And set it before thee, and he said, I'll tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in, verse 19, and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour and flesh. He put it in a basket, and he put it the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. Make sure everything is dampened with the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. They were gone. Fire came out and they were gone. The acceptance of the offering, the acceptance of the sacrifice. You remember when Elijah had those uh, oxen doused down with water and he prayed for the Lord to show that uh, he was God's prophet at that time. He, he said that God and that Baal was false. And he said that God that answers by fire, let him be God. And the people said, okay. But when Elijah put the oxen on the altar, and doused it down with water. The scripture says the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, the rocks, the dust, and licked up the water. There was nothing left. Well, that's what Gideon saw at this time. And that speaks of the complete acceptance of the sacrifice. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon knows who this is he was seeing. This was a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sees that now. And when, verse 22, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I've seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And he's talking about seeing God face to face in the person of his son. Uh, God said, no man shall see my face and live. No man has seen God at any time. And he did not understand uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is a person who could be seen. But he knew this was God. And he thought, I'm going down. I'm going to get killed for this. Verse 23, and the Lord said unto him, peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah our peace. Jehovah our peace. Unto this day it is yet an Oprah of the Abizarites. Now, this is one of the eight names of Jehovah. When the offering was consumed and accepted, 
It meant that God accepted the sacrifice. And the only place peace is found for me or you is in God's acceptance of the sacrifice. Did God accept what Christ did? Was he pleased? He's pleased with everybody that was represented by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, this is one of eight names of Jehovah in the scriptures, the self-existent one. I love to think of just his name as being self-existent. He has no needs. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. Um, Think of how dependent you are. He is utterly independent because he's God. He has no needs. We read of Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the Lord our message. You see what we're, if, as the Lord enables us, we're not trying to convince people of our doctrine. We're preaching who he is. And when, it, when it's seen who he is, everybody will believe the doctrine. They will bow to the doctrine when they see who he is, the Lord our message, the Lord our banner. He's called Jehovah Rapha. That's what David called him. The Lord is my shepherd. And because my shepherd is the Lord, I shall not want. Because my shepherd's the Lord. Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. By his stripes we are healed. That's not talking about the healing of our bodies. Now, if, if I'm healed, the Lord healed me physically, but I'm going to die sometime. Something's going to get me. Uh, but by his stripes we're healed. This is talking about our spiritual healing. And then there is Jehovah Shammah. Uh, the Lord is there. It's in Ezekiel. The Lord is there. This is talking about his omnipresence. He's here. He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere where he's not. And every believer always has his presence. Thou art with me. The Lord is there. He's here. He's present. And then there is Jehovah Tzidkenu. The Lord, our righteousness. How glorious. This is the name wherewith he shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. This is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. You know, the only time you're going to have peace is if you have perfect righteousness. And we have the Lord, our righteousness. Just as my sin became his, his righteousness becomes mine. Jehovah Sikinu, the Lord, our righteousness. And Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. All he requires of you, he will provide. Now this is one that's not mentioned very often. Jehovah um, Mikadishkum. I think I'm saying that right. right. Jehovah Mikadishkum. I am the Lord that sanctifieth thee. I'm the Lord that makes you holy. You know why you're not just part holy? Because he did it. He doesn't do anything halfway. Christ has made into us holiness, sanctification. That is the 
uh, heritage of every believer. And here in our text, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Now, do you remember in Hebrews chapter 7 when he's introducing uh, Melchizedek? He said his name is first king of righteousness. After that, king of peace. Now, if I ever see that he is my righteousness, you know what's going to come from that? Peace. Peace. All that God requires, I have perfect righteousness, sinlessness. I stand before God without sin because he's my righteousness. King of righteousness. After that, king of peace. Only when I'm perfectly righteous before God do I have peace. You know anything about that? Seeing that you're perfectly righteous before God. Not seeing it, but believing it because the gospel says it. And the only time you and I will ever have peace is if we see we're perfectly righteous before God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel of peace. That's the title of the gospel. The gospel of peace. And God is called the God of peace. And Christ is called the Prince of Peace. He is the one who made what the scripture calls the covenant of peace. Jehovah Shalom. The sacrifice has been accepted. Peace. Now turn with me. I want to look at a few passages of scripture in closing in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 20, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime or aforetime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, right now, hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in love. How? Because he made peace by the blood of his cross. Ephesians 2.14 says, He is our peace. The angel of the Lord told Gideon there was peace because of the sacrifice accepted. Now would you turn with me to John 16. Verse 29. His disciples saith in them, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things. Now wait a minute. Now are we sure? That's pretty much calling a question mark on what he said. You know, the disciples were like us, really stupid. 
And they demonstrate that here. Now are we sure? I'm sure the Lord is thinking, I'm really happy to have your all's affirmation now. You know. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and neither not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe thou camest forth from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? You're talking big. Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. The only place there's peace is in These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Now the only way I have peace is if I am in him. That's what Paul meant when he said, Oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him. All I want, this, this, this is all I want. I want to be found in him. These things... Have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace? This is the peace of justification. He says, in the world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world in me. Think of this scripture. Therefore, he was delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified. By faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he heard that Christ was his peace. Now I'm simply going to read what he did at the end. Turn back to Judges. Now the Lord said, fear not, peace be unto thee. That's where he raised up that altar. Now look in verse 25. Judges chapter 6 verse 25. It came to pass the same night. That the Lord said unto him, now that he has this peace, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath. Now when there's peace with him, there's going to be throwing down the idols. That's what's going on. You throw down the altar of the Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that's by it, and build an altar upon the Lord, of the Lord thy God on top of this rock, in the ordered place, and... Take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou hast cut down. <laughs> then Gideon took ten men of his servants. There's a significance to that ten. You know, he now has a, a perfect righteousness before the Ten Commandments. But he took um, ten men of his servants and did as the Lord said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he couldn't do it by day. He did it by night. <laughs> At least he did it. He was afraid to do it uh, during the day, but he did it at night where nobody could see him. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. He had demonstrated a complete disregard for their religion, tore it down. And they said one to another, verse 29, who had done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon. 
the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash, his father, uh, said unto all that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst yet mourning. If he's a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. If he's a god, let him take care of it. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerob Baal, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. And that was Gideon's name after that, Jerob Baal. And I pray that the Lord will enable us to be Jerob Baals. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you for the gospel that's revealed in your word. Lord, we ask that you would be our teacher. That by your spirit, you would give us hearing ears and receptive hearts. And Lord, enable us to be as Gideon, throwing down the false altars and preaching the gospel. Bless us for Christ's sake. And Lord, enable us to do that. Enable this assembly to do that. Enable all your assemblies to do that. Bless us for the Lord's sake. In his name we pray.